Welcome back to the Weekly Pass. I'm Bonnie Jill Laughlin, joined by my co-host, Adam Copeland. Now we are joined by one of my good friends, Roddy Rod, Rod Woodson, 17 seasons in the NFL, All-Pro as a DB and kick returner, named to 11 Pro Bowls, Super Bowl champ and Hall of Fame, class of 2009. Rod, thanks for joining us. Well, I appreciate you having me on there, young lady. And you said you had a workout in. You're, you just got your I workout in. I got a little in. workout in. Well, I don't like I that you say little morning. workout. What is that? Well, every morning I walk about six miles. And oh. then I, my pace is about like 15, like 15 minute mile. And then I, I come back home. I do like, um, uh, like a 10 minute little quick, another exercise. And then I do like a five minute ab workout. And then I do like a four minute, um, push up workout and that's it. That's a pretty good workout. I wouldn't call that a little workout, Rod. Yeah. I mean, it's, well, comparable to what I used to do, <laughs> right. it is very little. So, you know, and plus I'm not like, you know, I'm not really trying to go real hard. I'm just trying to make sure my back doesn't hurt and I don't get a big gut. <laughs> well, it's funny you say because you had 16 years since you retired and you still lead the league in NFL for pick sixes with 12 and in third all-time interception. I mean, Rod, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, it's going to get broken sooner or later, you know, especially with the new rules, the way it's set up. You know, the quarterbacks are throwing the ball more, offenses are throwing the ball more. You know, when I came into the league, you know, they probably threw the ball 50% of the time. So it was kind of 50-50. And, you know, now it's set up to where it's basically almost 65, 70% of passes. So I would think that somewhere along the line, but it's going to have to be a guy who starts doing it early. Um, I don't think there's too many guys in, I mean, Tlaib still can get there. Yeah, that's the only one that's active, though, Rod. I looked everyone else. There's no one else yeah, even close to yeah. you. Tlaib is close. I think he has nine, nine. eight or nine. Nine. So, you know, so he, he can get there. He, I mean, he, he's going to play a couple more years. and You know, he never he doesn't get a lot of interceptions. Like It's not like he's getting five, six a year. But the two or three that he does get, he, take, he takes one back to the house every single year. Yeah, and he's hurt right now, too, though. So that helps. I don't want him breaking your record. Yeah, that, what, that, help, that <laughs> helps my that, – yeah, that helps my record. It doesn't, <laughs> yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't help the Rams, but it helps my record, yeah. so I'm safe. I'm just thinking about you, Rod. Um, so when you played, though, you could be so much more physical, and, you know, the officiating is so tight now. I mean, would you be able to grab as many interceptions as – I mean, would you now, considering the game's changed so much? Well, I, I think um, – I mean, the way I played, I think I could because I always mm-hmm. played upfield shoulder. I always played top down, uh, and my model was no seams, no post, no goes. And if they didn't beat me deep, they only go underneath routes. So, you know, as long as I can play upfield and I can still see when they break and, and do underneath routes, I can still see the same thing I that they see, okay. then I have a great opportunity to, to make those plays. So, um, you know, I think one of the main things, though, I think I wouldn't be able to be physical to the underneath routes with smaller receivers okay. because I would like to be, I like to be physical with those guys. And tackling was probably would be a little bit different because, you know, I never really hit high anyway and I really didn't hit low. But the new targeting is, you know, you can't hit above the numbers. You can hit below and I just I'm just not a fan of taking a guy's knee out. But I was I'm big enough. I was big enough when I played to kind of take a guy head on. Um, you know, most of those DBs aren't. Yeah, a lot of those DBs come in as smaller guys, maybe sometimes even in, in high school and in college get transitioned out of that wide receiver spot to go play DB if they uh, if they were not good enough at, uh, at catching balls in the slot. I wonder about the physicality, though. Like, how, how frequently are, are defensive backs and cornerbacks 
aware of different officials at, at what point they will call a penalty, right? Like, I remember when the Seahawks were winning Super Bowls, there was a, a story out about how they were being coached to grab and hold because there was so much pressure on these officials to keep games inside of three and a half hours that they're not going to call a penalty on every single player. Are you aware of that as a DB? No. I mean, I wasn't aware of it. I mean, you are aware of who lets you play and who doesn't. I I, used, I know, every, you know, before every game, I would go to the back judge and the side judges and ask them how they're going to let us play. And if they say, you know, some guys are kind of laugh it off and don't, don't say anything. Some guys would be like, okay, we're going to let you play. Some guys would be like, we're going to call it tight. Um, and then you kind of you, you dictate how you play during the game, how they're calling it. You know, if they're going to call me every time I grab, uh, then I'm, I'm going to quit grabbing. But I, I think for me, when I started coaching, I started realizing – and I kind of said the same thing to my DBs when I was coaching with the Raiders, is that not all the DBs can do that because the outside receiver, they're watching him. The number two receiver, they're watching him. But the number three receiver have, never has eyes on him. So I would always tell the DB who's guarding the number three receiver, you can grab and hold him all day long. They very rarely are going to call it because they're not looking at you first. So you got to know what they, what you can and get, what you can get away with, and what you can't. Uh, as a player, I didn't know that. As a coach, I did, and I did, I did tell, tell them ex- something similar to what Seattle told their guys. Now, Rod, I want to expand more on the officiating. I don't know if you caught the Monday Night Football game with the Lions and the Packers. Um, Trey Flowers, you know, twice nailed for two controversial calls. Then the NFL admits that they were wrong. I mean. Trey Flowers ended up saying the result's the same in the end. So what do they do? What does the league do about that? Because there doesn't seem to be any repercussions for these officials or, you know, how can they change this or um, how do they proceed this way? You know, it's it's tough because I watched that game. Uh, it was a close game. Uh, you know, Denver, or excuse me, Detroit really should have won the game outside of those calls. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you see, you can see why they threw the flag because his head did go back. But then when you go back and see, you have all these new tools. So I, was, I, I called the, the Sunday night game with the Steelers and the Chargers. And I remember there was a uh, halo interference. So interference to the punt returner. But there was no flag thrown on the field. And after the play was over, I mean, the, 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 uh, the player fumbled the football. The, the, the Steelers got it back. And then the refs, they kind of huddled up, had a conference on the side. And then you could see a flag drop out of one of their pockets. So I, I think they're trying to correct as many plays as they can inside of the framework of, you know, being in 2019. Uh, I, I know they're trying to get things right, but some of those calls, I just think they, they should huddle up and make the right call. That's what I would like to see. And then I would like to see some type of rule stating that the, the officials can huddle up and determine, you know, who did the right thing. Is, is Did you see that call? Is, is it the right call? If somebody comes in with the opposing view, had that discussion discussion on the side or, or on the field on the side and get the right call done. I think if they do that, fans are going to be fine with if it goes three hours and 31 minutes. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think you're okay with it going a little longer as long as they get the call right. I just think back to – remember when we had the replacement refs? A few years back, yeah. you needed something oh, really yeah. drastic on national TV for the NFL to get a deal done. And I feel like, and I, and I wonder your opinion on this, Rod, has enough happened with bad calls like this? I mean, I know the NFC Championship last year, now they've 
implemented the beta test of the the pass interference review, which I'm not sure anybody's a fan of. These extra replays to determine a judgment call on a penalty are sometimes frustrating to follow. Is there a way that maybe there's a, a, a local official that you can put in a booth that they go upstairs and they say, was that a, a, an excessive penalty, a hands to the face? Is there a way to get that done, you think, in the NFL, or do they need something more drastic to change it? Well, I, I know the, the, pass interfer- the pass interference call that was put in place and the, the throwing the red flag and be able to challenge that it's been frustrating for all the coaches in the National Football League this year. I think it's been called like 45 times, or at least challenged 45 times. I think seven of them, if I'm correct, has only been overturned. So, you know, even even NFL coaches right now, they don't really have a video clip of what a reversal would look like. Right. So they don't even know how to challenge it, you know. Um, so I, I think, you know, if I'm looking at that, you know, with those guys, like, you know, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that, you know, somewhere along the line, that maybe a guy, a guy like you just said, into the, uh, into a booth, kind of what the AAF did with the Alliance Football. They had another right. ref in the booth, and he can make a call if everybody else missed their calls. It's a g- really good idea. I know the NFL wasn't a real fan of it. Maybe they're not a real fan of it because it wasn't their idea. But it is a good idea because at the end of the day, in 2019, and next year is going to be 2020, there's going to be the 100th year anniversary of the National Football League. You want things to be efficient. And if you have these tools at your disposal, you should be able to use those. What do you think about the officials not being full-time? I mean, I know that was a big point of discussion back when the, the uh, replacement refs were around before the officials got their, their deal done. Does that have any impact on this, you think? Well, the, the, normally the head refs. I think the refs are. I think the heads are, but the line full-time. judges and the other guys maybe not. But the not. line judges, back judges are not. And, but that doesn't mean, just because they're full-time, they're going to be, they're going to be great employees. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know, because they do spend a lot of time in training camps, in OTAs, in mini camps, they they meet with all the co- all the coaching staffs in the National Football League, and they sit in meetings with those coaching staffs. They sit in uh, the personnel meetings, or not personnel, excuse me, position meetings with each individual group if they want to. So they hear how coaches are coaching. They hear the different techniques are being taught. So they kind of understand it. But it's a fast-moving game, and some of those guys, I think – Personally, I think they got to get to a younger, our younger group of guys. I think you know, if you look at some, especially of our head refs, they're older guys. Um, but the process of getting becoming a position, you know, a back judge to an ump to to being a head ref, it's it takes a while. So you know, guys need to get into the refing industry or to the re- the refing um, job market at an earlier age to get, try to hopefully get some younger bodies in a national league so they can move and and hopefully see a little bit better. Now, Rod, I want to switch gears a little bit to Jalen Ramsey. Um, two parts uh, to my question. First is, was he worth the two first-round picks and, and a fourth? And also, what are your thoughts on these players, you know, forcing, you know, a trade? Well, I mean, you know, I wouldn't have traded him. Um, you know, I, I would think after this year, I would think that the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to blow that whole thing up. Um, you know, I, I know the owner really likes Jalen uh, for the Jaguars. He really didn't want to get rid of him, but man, getting a, getting two 
two number ones, you know, next year and the following year and a number four, that's a lot to offer for a player. Now, for the Rams, is it worth it? I think they're panicking a little bit. Well, I'm saying if they get back to the Super Bowl, it's worth it. I think they seem to diminish uh, their defensive play. So I think not bringing back Adama Kasu, I think that was a that hurt them it's more so up front. Um, you know, you know, yes, Widow has played I think okay. You know, I know the back end has been you know has been inconsistent to say the the, the least for that football team. So they're trying to figure out what they are on defense. I, I think they're trying to figure out who they are on offense. You know, you know, you, you don't have the running game. You have Gurley. We know he has a knee issue. You knew we had a knee issue after the Super Bowl, and you still C.J. Anderson go. So there's a lot of question marks about, you know, how they proceeded after the Super Bowl until now. Um, you know, and for Jalen, I, I would think it's a good move for him because he gets to go from Jacksonville, Florida, to, to Lala, to L.A. So he's in, a, he's in a better position. And did you know, though, Rod, that he's the second player to change teams before the age of 25 after making the first team All-Pro? The other one was uh, your old teammate, Jerome, Jerome Bettis. Yeah, Jerome came to us uh, mm-hmm. from uh, from the uh, from the Rams, Rams to, yeah, same thing, yeah. to to the Steelers. Um, you know, and my thing about players making those demands at the end of the day, it's still in the control of the front office. They can say, you know what, I'm not getting nothing from you, and you're not playing anymore. But you know, you know, for them, they're saying, okay, why why are we going to shoot ourselves in the foot? for this guy who doesn't want to be here, let's just get what we can for him or uh, for him and let's just move on. And so if you're a, a, a owner, a general manager, a team president, you can, I could see why you would make that decision to, to move on from a guy who doesn't want to be in a certain area. But now you got to have that leverage. And now he has to make sure that he produces when he goes to the Rams. Um, you know, giving all that up for him for the Rams. And, you know, he, he doesn't have a contract extension yet. Yeah. I think his contract's up after next year, so you know, so they got to do something about that. If they don't do something about that, they gave up two number ones and a four for nothing. Yeah, you got to make that trade with the mindset that you're going to be able to bring him back, or with the thought that you think you can sign him to a long term deal. I-, I look at the Rams' decision in this, and I think that they were put on notice by the 49ers, right? I think they look at this and they say, hey, we lost the game to the Buccaneers where we put up 40 points but gave up 50 points. We lost the game in Seattle where you missed a field goal as time expired, but you put up 20-plus points and gave up 30 points. So I think they're looking around at the NFC West going, we've got a window here that we can go win, but our defense is not what it was, speaking to your point, uh, last year when we won the NFC Championship. But you're right, they've sacrificed a lot. Now, I just... I don't view it as a desperate move. I view it as a as an aggressive move. But I do think that they're still a competitive team. Well, you know, my thing is this. I think your best player is Todd Gurley. And some people argue and say it's golf. I, I would absolutely disagree. Um, but my question mark with them, and I, yes, they are still competitive. But they're in a very tough division. You look at that division. I mean, you got San Francisco hasn't lost a game. You got Seattle <laughs> lost one game, and you even have the Cardinals who's won two games and lost three. You're you're one game on them because you you're three and three because they had or and, and well they tied a game, so you're you're a game and a half right, up right. on them. So I'm just like they know they have a they really you know and it's rare that three teams to come out of the division. They have a lot to and they still got to play each other uh, multiple times again. 
Um, you know, and, and I understand that the defense needs to get better. I'm just a little – I'm concerned not just with the back end of the defense, but I'm concerned with the front end of the defense because they're – you know, Dom Kasu hasn't – he hasn't been that guy this year, but they're doubling way more because he, they, there's no other dominant player up front. And, you know, I, I think, you know, they, they've been struggling. They, they're deep throwing the football, but they've been struggling to run the ball, and they can't find that running game. And if you can't find that running game now, golf has to be that guy – and I just don't think he's that quarterback to take him to the next level by himself. Yeah, I think he really works in that system. But to your point, I think exactly what you're talking about in this division with the 49ers and the Seahawks and the Cardinals there now. Uh, we saw this this last week. And maybe I'll, I'll ask you about this, about play calling. Uh, from an offensive standpoint, if you're Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers and you're out there and you're seeing your defense get stops against a Sean McVay offense in the way that they have, Kyle Shanahan said that changes the way he can call a game. Were you aware of that as a defender? If you guys were getting stops, you knew that, that your offense could go out there and be more aggressive, take more risks because you could sort of mitigate or erase any of the turnovers or mistakes they made? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, you have a game plan coming in. Uh, every coaching staff has that. But then it's going to be hopefully pliable and changeable in the framework of the game because you see either you're dominating one way or the other or you're not the one way or the other. Say if, say if for some reason when the Rams played the 49ers that the, the Rams defense was shutting them down. And so I, I would think that Kyle Shanahan, his, his mentality of being aggressive probably would increase a little bit but he didn't have to be increased because his defense was playing extremely well against his offense. So, it, you know, I, I definitely understand that as a defensive player, you just want your offense to move the ball down the field and stay on the field and score some points because you don't want to be put yourself in a bad position late in the game where if they get three points, if they move the ball down the field and get one touchdown, you lose. Now, Rob, we're going to stay with the Four Niners since we're here in the Bay, and you are a former Niner. What is? What do you think? What's your analysis of this team? They're five and zero. Um, they still have to compete in that division with the Seahawks. Um, give me kind of your analysis of this team so far. They're balling. <laughs> I mean, you know, listen to go five and zero, right? I know it's early in the year, and I've seen teams that do this before. They go five and zero. They play okay in the first half of the year, and they kind of fall apart in the back half. I don't think that's going to be the case this year with them. You know, obviously we know that they can – their overall offense is third or fourth in the National Football League. This is a good football team. Their defense has the number one passing defense in the National Football League. They're the number one overall defense in yardage in the National – or excuse me, number two overall defense in the, in the National Football League. So the defense – I thought the offense would be okay because you got some players. I, I like the quarterback in Jimmy G. I like Cal Shanahan. I think he's a really good play caller. I didn't think the defense was going to be this good. Especially the front and seven, right? The front seven because they don't blitz that much. So that it's the Seattle system in a sense. They play a little cover to a little man-to-man, but they don't blitz a whole bunch. So they get pressure with the front four. And when you get pressure with the front four, you're better on the back end. You're more fundamentally sound on the back end and, and pass defense. And they've shown that. And every opportunity they get of, of getting interceptions, getting turnovers, they've done it this year where last year they didn't do it. And they put them behind the eight ball. But this year, overall team package, this is a solid football team. They're one of the better football teams right now in the National Football League. Yeah, and it all starts with defense. And it's funny that because they're 5-0, and I think people are looking for things to criticize. Before the win over the Rams, 
it was that the 49ers hadn't played anybody. Then once they beat the Rams, everybody's looking around going, yeah, well, Jimmy G's uh, seven touchdowns, five picks. Maybe he's not as great as everybody thinks. I think he's done a fine job. He's completing 70% of his passes. He's efficient on third down, and he stands in there and takes hits. Uh, just your takeaway on Jimmy Garoppolo first five games this year. Well, I like Jimmy G. You know, you know, it's it's hard to live up to the height, yeah. mm-hmm. right? So he, he gets traded to San Francisco. He gets a real big contract. He plays well um, his first year there when he played those last couple games they won. Everybody thought he was going to be the next Humphrey. It was hard to live up to that. But, you know, I, I think they play well as a group. Um, you know, especially with running the football. They're number two in the National Football League mm-hmm. and running the football, which is hard to do in the National Football League on a consistent basis. And that takes some of the pressure off of Jimmy G. All he has to do is just take care of the football. Jimmy G needs to be himself. He doesn't need to be Tom Brady. He doesn't need to be Brett Favre. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need to be Mahomes. He needs to be him, and he knows he needs to play like that. And whoever that is, and if he does that, and they still have this running game, and his defense keeps getting better, this is going to be a hard football team to beat late in the year. Now, Rod, um, week four was when the Niners had their bye. How hard is it for a team to have a bye that early? I mean, I know they did have some. Uh, key injuries like Bosa and stuff they're trying to get 100%. But um, as a player, you know, having a bye early, do you like that or do you think it could end up hurting them in the end? No, I mean, it's, you know, it's not college. You know, in college, you know, guys know, hey, 10 games into it, my body's starting to shut down. The pros know, hey, this is a long year. You know, we start this thing in July. We don't end it until, you know, January. It's a long year. And, you know, You'd like to have the buy a little bit further mid-year, but if it's that way, it's that way. The, you know, you're dealt a certain set of cards in your hand, and you have to play those hands. You can't cry about it. You can't pout about it. Um, you know, the league's not going to set the, the schedule for you this year anyway. So it is what it is. Um, and I, I think what it, it, what it will do, though, it can make the coaches reevaluate how they're going to do their practices. You know, are we going to do hard practices all the time? Are we going to get out the shoulder pads? Are we going to, you know, stay in the shoulder pads? Are we going to get the sweats earlier um, because we got a little bit longer uh, year because we have no more breaks? So, you know, that would be, uh, I think, an adjustment for the, the coaches to see how they're going to practice their guys from here on out. So, Rod, right now, I know it's still early, but would you consider the Niners the best team in the NFC, or are you still looking at maybe the Saints or even the Seahawks? Yeah, I still got to see a little bit more yeah. from from the 49ers. You know, it's it's great to to have that you know that 49er logo being five and zero. You know, I'm still a fan of the New Orleans Saints. I know they lost the one game, but I think they played well. I think their defense has gotten a lot better. And they breeze you know, back defense, too. And yeah, they'll be getting Drew back. Um, you know, Teddy has played well. You know, he's, he's taking care of, of the, the opportunity he had in front of him. Uh, he did a great job of doing that. Um, but the difference is this, though. So, you know, when you look at the Saints, you know, they their defense has given up 122 points. You got to look at the 49ers, they, points against. They've only given up 64 points. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that is crazy. That's crazy numbers. Now, can they sustain that? That's the question. Can you sustain that all year long? If they can – Man, I tell you, I mean, it reminds me of being in Baltimore. Um, we didn't have yeah. a great offense. I mean, this offense is better than our offense in Baltimore. Um, you but guys won it all. Like, our defense was like this, and we won the whole thing because you couldn't score against this. Right. 
And yep. you know, and then if Jimmy if Jimmy G takes care of his, the running game takes care of his, and the defense keeps playing the way they're playing, that's going to be a tough out for them. Now, Rod, are you going to be covering any of the um, calling any of the Niner games? I don't think I have any Niner games on my schedule this year. I think I have one Rams game, if I remember correctly. I can't remember all the games I have, but I think I have one Rams game left, um, and then one Raider game, and I can't remember a couple more, but. I wish I was. Uh, last year I got to call their game uh, when they played the Giants. Um, you know, but this year it would, it would be uh, a little bit more fun going out there and seeing the way this defense is playing and seeing that old 49ers logo winning and doing good things on the football field. Well, thank you so much, Rod. Good, good insight. Oh, as always, right? Right, right Adam? Yes, right. <laughs> My pleasure, young lady. My pleasure. Call me anytime. And we heard your doggies in the background. You told them to be quiet. I could tell. All of a sudden, they got real quiet. Yeah, they. they got, <laughs> well, I got. We got five. We got five dogs, and they just they like to bark. The three little ones like to bark. We got two pits, and then three little dogs that my wife loves, and then the three little ones just bark at every day. See, because the pits know the little ones. They got to. They got to flex a little bit. Oh, right? they always They're, have to flex. Uh, yeah, That's how little yeah. ones are. I, I love them though. Yeah, and then when one little one barks, the rest of them start barking. They can't see over the door anyway. They just bark at noise. <laughs> yeah, 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 any I'll, noise. I'll bark, no bite. That's it, Rod. <laughs> That's right. All right. Thanks, Roddy. Rod. I appreciate it. Have a good day. All right, you too. Okay. Well, he always, you know, has good insight, especially not just the secondary, but, you know, on both sides of the ball because he was a coach. I think people forget that he was a position coach, but he also knows the game so well, being a player, being in the booth. Uh, an analyst and a coach. So he's has the, I think, better insight than most. Well, he said it perfectly. He also played in the era where, like, we eased ourselves into the instant replay. We eased ourselves into uh, what was reviewable, what was not reviewable. He played into the early part of the 2000s, played for three great franchises, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and then Oakland, of course, uh, at the end of his career. But, uh, yeah, Rod Woodson, a Hall of Famer, great insight, great analysis. Uh, in, uh, in what's been pretty good so far, a good six weeks of the NFL season, I don't know what we do about these these officials. I don't know, you know, like we really did need the NFC Championship to get decided potentially by a a blown and like an outrageous and egregious non call on a pass interference before the NFL even said we're willing to implement something small for a season just to see how it goes. And if I had to guess, and maybe it's a bad guess right now, only six weeks in, Bonnie Jill, if I had to guess. The reviewable play of pass interference probably goes away after this year. Oh yeah, because it's not it's not greatly successful right now. And the Saints are still holding on to that. I mean, they still have not let that let it go. go. They won't let. They will not let. Please throw a pick in overtime. Let it go. They won't let it go. Maybe they should do what the MLB's getting, trying to do, and they have robot umpires out there running around the field. Yeah, we'll have a robot <laughs> pass interference number forty six <laughs> defense spot foul. First down. I know. How are we going to call this stuff? But what are you going to do? I mean, because it's like you mentioned, I mean, that game, that Monday football game, again, I know that, you know, you never know when they're going to call it, but that, I don't know who it was. It was all all over him. 45. And they didn't didn't call the PI. They don't call any. I mean, So I never know when they're going to call. Do you know, it's kind of like, it just depends on who the ref is and what he decides to do, but it's never like a given where I know for sure. Well, that's why I was asking Rod that. Like, if you know as a defender, if you're Richard Sherman on the Seahawks in in 2011, but I'm saying if they know that the the officials aren't going to call it every play because you're right they don't know when they're going to call it but they know to an extent this guy's going to let me bump or grab or hold a little bit now when both guys are grabbing i'm all for letting the play go and i i kind of like that i I, love that if you're both going at each other then you guys settle it amongst yourself we saw one of those plays happen on monday night you want to give credit to that official who's saying yeah go solve it yourselves but then you see on the other side then there's an an 
obvious pass interference that is not called. And I wonder, do you not call it because the coach has the opportunity to review? But then the coach isn't going to review if he doesn't know what's an overturned right. pass interference call. You can't waste the time out in that situation. Yeah, it's frustrating. As a fan, I think As it a is fan, I'm with you. And really, and I get that, that, that players and coaches are getting screwed by this, but what is the game about? It's about fans showing up to watch the game, to support this, to like, to, to, to have some camaraderie about something that's bigger than they are as a whole. And if, if the fans don't show up, there is no football. Right. You know what I mean? No, so, so I'm all about getting this stuff right. And it's funny talking to him because I know you're old school too. I used to love the bump and run. I used to love seeing Jerry Rice and, like it's in, Aeneas Williams right, or right. Michael Irvin and a Deion Sanders. Like, I loved seeing that. You know, that was like, wasn't it fun? Well, those, I mean, are, the I battles, those are the battles you want to see. Uh, it, it, like, that's... When you can see a guy thrown on Revis Island 10 years ago, and even he could grab and hold a little bit more. And now I liked it. I mean, yeah. I personally liked it. The game that. was just different. I mean, uh, again, they've tried to make it all about the viewers, and in, in doing so, it's about the offense. We've seen it in baseball. We've seen it with the three-point shot in basketball. It's all offensive-driven. It's and I just, all and offense. I, and I don't really I – I mean, they say it's better for the fans. Personally, as a fan, I don't like it. You know why? Because – I used to love defense. I, I mean, and I know I hate saying this because all the, you know – the CTE and all that difference of the concussions, but I used to be that person with the big hits. I used to stand up and go crazy. I loved it. And it's okay know? to like the big hit and want the guy to be okay. Yeah. I think there's there's a balance there, but the NFL is now, because they were under such heat and such pressure because of the, the negative effects of CTE, mm-hmm. the fallout and the, the lack of, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Maybe the lack of, I don't want to say necessarily belief, but lack of support of their former players. Well, I was about to say, I think struggling. that's what it is. I think the fact that the, NFL did not help any of those old well, gridiron didn't, greats. didn't admit and then, to it. And then yeah. showing with all the, what they went through, now they're going to say, okay, now we're going to be proactive. It wasn't about that. They should have helped them medically before, you know, and had been more advanced. Agreed. And now, and now, so now my, they're, they're going to change the game. They're overcompensating for it now like to protect that. the players. And I, I 100% agree with you. I do like uh, the direction the game has gone so far. I just want to get calls right. Right. I just want to get calls right. I do. I, but I still I still feel like it's kind of a powder puff league, and I still don't. I don't he's he's, right, about the, like about he's right about the interceptions, though, because all the passing numbers are getting broken because there are such big offensive quarterbacks now, and it's mm-hmm. all about the passing game, and it's all about throwing the deep ball like he's talking with Pat Mahomes. His interception numbers could be caught. The guy who replaced him at safety in Baltimore um, was uh, was Ed Reed, right? Ed, Ed Reed, Reed is, is yeah. tops in the interception uh, category as well. So. And it's funny, if you look at some of the people that are on this list, I mean, only Aqib Tlaib is the only one active that's in the top, like, 12. The only thing that also that I found was interesting, we didn't get to talk to him about that, but um, Rod Woodson actually held out. And he held out, and he got $1.8 million for four years. Well, I mean, I just laugh. At, I, the reason I laugh is, like, you look at someone like this, you know, first ballot Hall of Famer, and they're holding out for, like, just mediocre, minuscule money, where, like, now these guys, it's, like, double, you know, triple digits. Um, it's just fine to see, and we talked to Dickerson about this, too, just how they made no money yeah, I mean, it was not even back then. It's not that long ago. We're indentured servants, effectively, yeah. is the way it worked. Uh, yeah, no, it is. It is ironic in that, like, he held out. He got one point eight. But then you look <laughs> at a guy like like Melvin Gordon. He held out for how long this year? And then he he didn't get anything. And then he came back, and now he's like, "Hey, I want more carries." They're like, "Bro, you weren't here yeah. for like three months." That actually backfired. What are we on supposed to do? Time. Supposed to play you more now? Yeah. Come on, man. That didn't work. Um, well, that was good. You know, another Hall of Famer in the books, and we'll be back at it again next week. I'm Bonnie Jill Laughlin. I'm Adam Copeland. And you're listening to the Weekly Pass. See ya.